0: Reading from Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Oh, that. Yeah. See, all together, we can team up and do great things, Right. <laughs> So thank you. So it was quiet, uh, relaxing. And I had a good time. Um, you know, I I like sports, so I watched some NFL too. Um, uh, so it was it was great. And um and um you know this message today, uh I had titled it like A Call to Pray for More Workers in the Lord's Harvest. And uh and I will embarrass Corey. <laughs> Right now, sorry about that, but it, I hope it's a good, good way way to mention your name. But we were actually in a, a executive board meeting, and we, as we were starting, we pray, and one of the prayers that Corey offered was for more workers in the Lord's harvest. So ever since, it has been in my mind that. So when um, you know I had the opportunity uh, to uh, the next time to. Uh, to preach here, uh, I thought, well, maybe I prepare a sermon on that. So that's how the inspiration comes. Uh, so uh, it's a privilege for me to stand before you, so that we can together meditate in the Word of God. Uh, like I said this morning, I would like uh, to draw your attention to the passage that Diane read. Thank you so much, uh, and which is in Matthew 9:35 through 36. But before, let's pray. Lord, we are here this morning, and we have gathered in your name. We pray that you will bless our time together, meditating in your word. Open our minds and hearts to your word, and let the Holy Spirit and his gentle ways speak to us, edify us in you, and provoke us to action. Be our guide. Be our inspiration. Be our encourager, Lord, and give ourse- we give ourselves to you. We give this time to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> so in this passage, Jesus tells his disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send more workers to it. Uh, if we go to Luke 4, 18-21, Jesus, uh, quoting from Isaiah 61, says, when he came to Jerusalem, or Luke tells us this, <clears throat> When he came, Jesus, to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and, to, and, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him then he began to say to them. Today, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, sorry. Isaiah 61 was good news to a nation in the original context. It was an announcement of freedom, of healing, of the year of jubilee. a year in which debts are forgiven, property goes back to the original owners, the slaves are set free. This was supposed to be celebrated every 50 years. The good news of the gospel is that in Jesus, our sins, individual and as a community and as a nation, can be forgiven. It means that we can repent from our sins and turn to God. And this change of heart in Jesus has a daily impact in the way we live our lives and how others see how we live our lives. The gospel is good news. To the captives, the good news is there is there is freedom in Christ. The good news is there is freedom in Christ, freedom and forgiveness of sin, but also freedom from oppression to all. I hope that as a church, we have learned, we have learned from the mistake the church has made in the past, and from the mistake we as a church can make, make uh, can make. You know better now. Change the way some of the stuff that we did in the past, uh, and do what God calls us to do. If the gospel of Jesus is good news to the captives, then the church should realize this good news in the lives of people too. Unfortunately, in the past, the Christian church built social theological structures that that supported slavery in the Western culture. The church also erred. In Germany, when they either remained silent or supported Nazi policies that led to the slaughter of millions of Jews, this was totally contrary to the good news of Jesus. The good news of the release of captives, release of captives, not making captives. Unfortunately, it took a long war a long war, and millions of deaths to stop the Nazi insanity. I'm sure some of you have relatives who fought in World War II. And you know the story. And the church must say, never again. But That is not to say that the church has done everything wrong, right? The church has done great things in the world, too. And I could say a lot of good things, but I would just put a personal uh, uh, testimony, if you want to uh, use the word. Uh, You know, in, in our family, it was really... Uh, because of the gospel was announced by American missionaries that came to Guatemala, that we as a family know Christ the way we know him. Uh, I obviously was born in a Christian family, the son of a pastor, a pastoral couple. Uh, but my parents didn't. They didn't know Christ and so it was because of the work of preaching of these missionaries that we, you know, that they came to the knowledge of Jesus, and then they got married, and they had family, and they passed through many, many churches. And in other words, you know, we are in some ways, in many ways, real ways, actually, the fruit of the labor of those people who have answered the call to go and preach the good news. Amen? And we have Diane here. She, she, at one point, she, you know, her family went to Colombia, right? And so the church has done wonderful things. So I don't want to, you know, us to think that, you know, know, I always talk about the negative things that the church has done. There are positives. However, you know, when things, when we have done bad things, we have really done them really, really bad. (laughs) So, but let's then, you know, go back to Jesus. What did Jesus do, you know? And and let's not commit the mistakes that the churches before us did. Jesus came to heal the blind and give them back their sight. Today, many blind people can live fulfilling lives. But in first century, being blind meant to live a life of poverty and mostly begging for the daily survival. Jesus literally healed many blind people. He gave them the joy of seeing again, for some, the joy of seeing the the first time, for the first time. To others, uh, you know, uh, he restored their sight. Jesus is the good news. Jesus brings good news. Sometimes people may be able to see with their eyes, but their mind is blind. There were many people who, seeing Jesus do all the work, the miracles, hearing his teachings, remained blind to him. There were many people, let me repeat this, who, seeing Jesus do what he did, miracles, hearing his teachings, still remained blind to him. Jesus can heal our spiritual, cultural, philosophical, and sometimes theological blindness. If we confess our blind spots to him, sometimes we don't know what the blind spots are, right? So we can ask that the Holy Spirit will illuminate and teach us and reveal us, you know, where we need to go, what we need to see. He can and he wants to see. He can and he wants us to see him and know him for who he is and for what he can do. Jesus can heal our hearts. Jesus can heal our communities. Jesus can heal our cities. Jesus can heal our nation. Jesus can heal all the nations of the the world. The world is dying from sin, from poverty, from captivity, from blindness, from oppression. The oppressor and the oppressed, they both need healing. We need to announce the year of jubilee in Christ Jesus. We must preach the good news of Jesus. Preaching is critically important. Jesus preached. To preach is to proclaim the word of God. To preach is to tell others about Jesus. We cannot do without preaching. But in some ways, preaching can also be living up the gospel. Living up the gospel. It means bringing it alive in the ways we live. It means to incarnate it in our lives and in the life of the church. Living out the gospel is how we let the light of Jesus shine for all to see. Living out the gospel is how the church is the salt of the earth. Preaching the gospel is serving others. Jesus did both. He proclaimed the good news and healed and fed many others, we can do one without the other. We need to preach and we need to serve others, especially those in need. Announcing the gospel to the world requires many voices, many hands. The Holy Spirit is with us. But still, it requires many lives dedicated to do this very thing. It requires a variety of gifts. The Holy Spirit is the one who imparts the gifts that the church needs to do God's work. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, 12, 4, and six through 6, says, Now there are vari- varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. Every Christian and every Christian community, every church can do something. I think our church, and I'm so grateful for Smokey Row, is a great facilitator for many workers, many volunteers, workers to do this job. I hear all the time from from uh, volunteers that come from other churches. We provide opportunities for many people around the Smoky Road, Sawmill Road area to volunteer and do kingdom work here in this church building. And thank be to God for that. And hopefully we don't get discouraged and we continue to pray that God will send, you know, more workers onto his harvest and more resources as well. <clears throat> the harvest is indeed plentiful. There are many good organizations out there working hard and leading in many ways to help people in need. One of the many is, uh, you know, I just had opportunity to work, uh, well, been working for a couple of years with the Byron's, Byron Saunders Foundation. They gave our food pantry 85 milk kits that would feed four people. Their goal for this year was to donate 6,000 meals in Central Ohio and surrounding counties. They succeeded thanks to the, nation of many, to the donations of many people and volunteers who helped to make this possible, which is amazing. Their mission is simple, simple to provide Thanksgiving meals throughout Central Ohio to families in need. And they accomplished this because of the general support and donation of food from the community, you know, they serve. This is one of the many ways in which Christians can serve people in need. But it requires leadership, you know, and we live in a very confusing world. Matthew says when when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In this 21st century, this November, 2023, I think there are still multitude of people who feel harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We see people, we see many people who are influencers in social media, and there are so many some call good evil, and some call evil good. And people don't know who or what to believe or what to do. Our societies are very confused. Our societies and even our churches have become polarized. Sometimes I feel like saying, you know, what's the use? What's the point? You know, people are not, don't want to respond. Some of the controversies, you know, in first century Jesus led with different questions that people had, which were controversial at times. And we can get glimpses of some of these questions like, should we pay tax to Rome or to the temple? Can a man divorce his wife for any reason? Is there resurrection at all? If so, what happens at resurrection when a woman had had to marry several brothers to preserve family for his deceased brothers? Whose wife is she going to be in the resurrection? But it's true. Can you heal someone on Sabbath? Right, and they, they, the reaction to what Jesus did was very strong and sometimes violent. Uh, So there are controversies, you know, and we have the same controversies today. And there, this is just a few samples of controversial issues that we glimpse, like I said, from from the Gospels. Some of these questions were asked to Jesus with specific purpose of trapping him and accusing him falsely. Paul wrote about many others in his letters to the church that the church had to face and resolve. Jesus and Paul were in some ways the incarnation of the answers they gave to the people. In other words, our life must reflect the answer we have about controversial issues of the day. Someone would say that is Christian ethics, and I would say, yeah, it's Christian ethics. I agree with that. God is calling people to work in his harvest, but like in the time of Jesus, the workers are few, and the harvest is plentiful. While I think we have plenty of people who volunteer daily to do kingdom work, there's still seems to me fewer and fewer people who are responding and preparing for pastoral leadership, for evangelistic ministry. Uh, According to a post in the Brethren Church's uh, sabbatical resources, the Barna Group recently presented alarming statistics concerning pastors in the United States. According to their numbers, 42%, listen, Forty-two percent, that's a very high percentage of pastors, have thought deeply about leaving their current church and the ministry. Forty-two percent. Over 50 percent are deeply discouraged spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, with many swiftly approaching burnout. Those leaving or thinking about leaving cite overwhelming job stress as the number one cause. The harvest is plentiful. I think that confusing times can add more stress to the work of a pastor now more than uh, other times. Taking public position on social issues will always come at a cost, and for some, this is too stressful. The the you know to think that one day in you know you're going to be asked a question and. And you will have to choose what your answer is going to be. And the world, you know, and it can be very damaging. You know, people can damage your reputation, your, or whoever you are, whatever you think. You know, we call it cancellation. You get cancelled. And it's just, uh, just uh, try to embarrass, to cancel, to delete you, to erase you. And, and, but that, that possibility is always in the mind of the pastor. I know it's in my mind. And for some, you know, that is just too stressful. And then add to that the fact that many churches are not able to give their pastors what are fair living wages. It's not because they don't want to, they just can't. Then the stress becomes too much. One of the things that the national office is promoting is to encourage churches to give their pastors sabbaticals. I hope and pray that this will work for many of our pastors. The harvest is indeed plentiful but the workers are few. Let us hear the words of Jesus again. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send, out, to send out laborers unto his harvest. Yes, let us pray to the Lord of the harvest. He will send more workers to the harvest. You know, since Jesus said that, um, the church has continued, and there have been continually workers in the Lord's harvest. So we can continue to pray. He will send more workers to the harvest. We can start perhaps incorporating the prayer for more workers in in our everyday prayers, just like we pray for other things daily. If you are already doing it, praise the Lord and continue to do that. If not, let's start the next time you offer a prayer. Let's do it the next time we offer a prayer. And remember always to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers unto his harvest. As overwhelming as the work can be, I know God will continue to send and call people to work in his harvest as we continue to pray that he sends more workers unto his harvest. Amen.